Hello and welcome back to the Social Matters Podcast. We are three social workers talking about social matters. I'm Eugene. Hi. Hi, I'm Nadia. And I'm Fran. Well, back again here in this room. Yeah. We spend a lot of time in here, which I'm kind of liking. Yeah. It's kind of creepy as well that I like it being in here. It feel like a pro studio, doesn't it? It's just pretty mm. on point. Well, don't, don't, mm, man, don't, okay, mm. but like, I'm just, just looking and of... there's a wardrobe <laughs> and a mattress and the Yeah, but the mattress bed. is purposeful. It sounds like yeah. a squat yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. And this, there's Shattered this table. all the illusions of professionalism there. Sorry. Uh, yeah, we're in a studio or as we said before, let's <laughs> studio. Okay, guys, what's going on? Um, yeah, I, this week I'm feeling really proud. Um, my boy Arinze Kene he has put a play on and it's not his first play um Mm -hmm. but it's on at the moment in uh Shepherd's Bush Theatre called Misty and it's just so good it's so good and yeah it's about um, spoiler alert oh oh can I just (laughs) no give it a general what does it say on the website that's the the length of the synopsis I don't know what it says on the website (laughs) but I know it's about gentrification okay and also about uh playwright struggle to get his work out there and that's it i think i'll leave it there it sounds so dry but it's actually actually, really good it's so good it is and i think um maybe you should give a little bit more so people can go and watch it oh okay (laughs) um it's what else should i this it, it, it involves like music there's like um lyrical greatness in there there's it's it's i just yeah i just can't emphasize how much it's good how how good it is how much is good what kind of good is that? I'm so sorry. it's just really really good Lost guys yeah. to speak. Yeah. and is misty who, what, what or who is misty is it a person i i don't actually know um so it's just one of these titles that's out there but then the story doesn't really have someone called misty because when i think I of misty I used, to, I used to have a bike called misty oh yeah oh, of course oh, what well, why oh, oh gosh i was like oh here we go <laughs> Rally, rally Misty. Oh, oh so okay. actually, I thought you named it Misty. Oh, that's what I thought. Gosh. Yeah. Yes, no. So Rally Misty, so it had Misty down the side. And it was oh. a great name. What's your current bike called? R.I.P. M. Renault. A Peugeot. Oh, I knew oh. it was a Fritz so, car. <laughs> Famous Renault bikes. <laughs> uh, no, I, maybe. And do you know what? I remember um, trying to name that bike with a sort of French lady's name but I, I i think i got as far as estelle but i didn't it, i good. didn't officially name her should we think of one now can you think mm. of a... adrienne does it have to oh. be french lady well yeah because it's peugeot lady no Spike. but yeah. she could have been born in france but migrated here at an early age and very influenced by english true i shouldn't yeah. have assumed that my bike was born exactly. in france i mean she could have had a different heritage exactly with the free movement of people in the eu so you know not for long. <laughs> oh gosh, moving Actually, on. Actually, when's this podcast episode coming out? <laughs> so, sounds so, yeah. like a really good play. Yeah, really good play, and I've managed to convince you guys to go yes, see it. Yes, and we yes. booked our tickets. Yay. Depending on when this gets released, it may be over, I, or I may still be know. showing. I don't know, but yeah, it'll, it'll so, come back. It's so, it's just so great, and it's just really made me kind of think about. Like I've known Rinza for a long time and like just seen his graft and mm. like the kind of work that he's put in for years. Um, and it's only just now that I, I don't know, not just now because he's been he's done really well. But I don't know, it feels like more people are talking about it and more people are like, yeah, you know, coming to know about the greatness of, of him. And I just it just really made me think about um, how 
like how seasons are as like seasons in life so mm. you like you commit and put in so much graft and so much hard work and then it's only like at the time when you're super successful people know about it yeah um, yeah. yeah and often don't hear i think particularly for a lot of kind of art and you know whether it's kind of music or like theater where it's often yeah like you the backstory of like yeah. 15 years yeah of, like trying to get there but that's yeah. great. Remind me of his name again. Arinze like, Kenne. Proud of you, bruv. Kenne. Oh, yeah. Ooh, shout out. We follow him on Twitter. He follows us. Yeah. Only because of you, Nadia. Thanks oh, for that. <laughs> what about you, friend? What's been happening? Um, I don't know, really. I, I, I think just talking about Misty, my bikes, and not Misty anymore. Misty has gone. Um, but I've been enjoying being on Estelle. I'm just named her now. I've been enjoying oh, being okay. on my bike. I was like, <laughs> who's, on it? I was like, who's this still? <laughs> <laughs> we never confirmed the name. Um, so yeah, I just, I really, it just reminds me this week. I've been uh, cycling and it's been, we've had some really nice kind of sunshiny autumnal days and it's just reminded me how much I enjoy being out on my bike. Mm. Um, and I ha- the other day I was cycling along and I had one of those days where um, I was waving and said hello to the lollipop lady and then later on there was the, the postman on oh my, my bike days. and I was just feeling all really nice Very and friendly utopian kind I know. of <laughs> it was set up I just like, like had one of those rides where I was like isn't everything great but um it was funny actually because there's this bit where I cycle and it, it says like you have to get off your bike and I must admit depending on how good a person I'm feeling that morning I'll either get off my bike or I'll ride on through and just you know ignore the sign and the rules Anyway, the other morning I um, decided to get off. I was feeling good. I thought I'm going to be a, a good person today. And this man who lived there said, oh, thank you, lady, for doing that. And I said, oh, don't worry. I always do. And I thought, oh. but I don't. And he said, thank you. That's really appreciated. So I went off with a smug smile. But I thought, oh, only 50% of that is true. You oh, deceived him. Friend. Yeah. Oh, but I'm God. now going to get off today. every time. Because... Yeah. You know, I've had what that is this bit? Why do you have to? I'm not cyclist. Um, I guess it's like people's houses, and they don't want cyclists oh, okay. whizzing past. Yeah. yeah. So oh. yeah, me and my bike just been having a nice time. Oh, what about you, huge? Um, so I was thinking um about the term fan and um understanding that it means fanatic and um relating that to my sort of obsession with sports. So I'm currently eagerly anticipating the um, biggest UFC fight of um, all time for those who don't know. Of all time? Of all time. Is that what? Is that no, that's how they're how building it. it really and it is what really fight? big. UFC, Ultimate, ultimate Fighting fight. Championship. Yeah. It's really quite brutal. Oh, it's, what is Ultimate Fighting? So, oh, Fran, oh, you don't know? Don't okay. know. So, this is just so on today's episode. It is pretty You know brutal. what? It is brutal. Is that like and an anything goes? Yes. Ultimate Except Fighting. You can't, you can't, like, you can't kick him can't kick them in 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 the private areas and um, you can't gouge eyes or whatever yeah you um, can't do that but it but other so, than that no but it depends how you view it so i think being a sports fan um it's it's the competition behind it mixed martial arts is is uh, is an art Skilled, and yeah. just like boxing and karate and any other form of martial arts there's a discipline that comes behind it i think what people see when um the fight is on is two people kicking lumps out of each other but the work and graft that they had to put in in there the discipline that shown the respect that shown that's shown after the fight is a true um example of um uh people showing sportsmen or sportswomanship which i think is really important and i find myself recently just engaging a hell of a lot of sport and um 
going to be waking up at like 4 a.m. in the morning tomorrow um, to watch the fight. So Between? Conor McGregor and Khabib Nurmagomedov. I've been watching a lot of it, so I can pronounce his surname. Okay. Um, so, so like, sorry, just so, like, so you could do a, like a flying kick, you could get yeah. them in a headlock, yeah. yep, you yeah. can get them in an arm bar, you can do yeah. wrestling moves, you can box, mix, like, it's, could you do what my brother used to do, and it's just to point at me, no <laughs> physical contact, but just point <laughs> for hours, Yeah, but whilst the... I was watching TV, Yeah, I mean, that was the most painful thing and i used to lose it he would sit there committed with his finger for hours just pointing at me i mean that you, you can that do would work? that is called a submission move so <laughs> you you will have to tap out and say you give up just which pointing, you probably did many a time pointing at me in the corner um, of my eye um, so yeah you could do that but i i would imagine if you did that in a in a steel cage where they fight um <laughs> yeah it's in a cage it is in a cage why a cage I think um, it adds to the drama. So the ha- oh, hang on. Oh my Is this cage like hanging? Like no, no. a budgie cage. It's, no. It hasn't got a roof. Um and it's just So you it's, know like a boxing ring. Yeah, it's like a boxing ring but with wired sides. Yeah. Why? And it's an octagon. Yes, an octagon. Yeah. Why a cage? I don't well, add, I don't know, you have to ask the creators. To the, to the animalisticness the of it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But um the, you can ask the same questions, new but you world. can ask the same questions. Why do um, footballers play on a on a field or on a pitch? Why do boxers um, box in a rink? Why do I don't know? Birds suddenly appear. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I guess you could say that uh, you know a pitch is the uh, sort of a marked area that you. But the cage is a marked area. You can't go out. But a cage. What does that mean? What does the word cage mean to you? I just feel like, um, yeah, as you said, maybe an animal or a a bird in a cage. And I also feel if they were to fall down when they're pointing to the... (laughs) No, 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 no. no. I mean, if they were to fall over. Yeah. Yeah. Does it hurt like... No, the cage is is made of... of, um, You said metal earlier. Isn't it wire? It's it's, Chicken wire. It's wire that won't harm you because people yeah. will push up against the cage they like um the metal parts are padded so it's a part of like the whole thing i guess i don't know i didn't invent it but <laughs> okay. i'm so, looking so forward i'm looking forward to the fight on. Yeah. Fixated on this so this is a yeah. social matters podcast yeah. well, okay and that's a social matter fighting and sports yeah um so that's what i'm looking forward to yeah kind of looking forward to um Okay, what are we doing today? What are we talking about today? I, I don't know if I can move on from the cage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to look into that. I'm going to I'm going to Google it um, once we finish recording. So today we're going to be talking about um, language, and I, I think in terms of how language constructs meaning, and I think it's so important in social work, but I think in all aspects of our life, how um, the way we kind of talk um, and language people. Um, does sort of, in particular in social work, add that sort of meaning that kind of often can be attached to families. And I think sometimes when we start working with a family, there might be a chronology with particular descriptions um, and just how that can take on meaning. So I just thought that was quite an interesting topic. But it goes across other areas of our lives as well. Mm. It it made me, um, when we were preparing for this, I was just thinking, I was telling these guys about... Um, 
a, a mum that I worked with a few uh, years ago that I bumped into randomly at the station. And it was just so nice to see her because it was a really different time to when um, I was working with her and, and, and her daughter. And it was, there was a lot of concerns around um, her daughter's kind of going missing episodes and her being at risk of child sexual exploitation and the kind of um, language that professionals would use about about that in inverted t- commas type of type of child you know a CSE kid at risk of CSE and going missing and that mm. you know it was it just really made me think about yeah how powerful language and terms that are used to describe uh, families that we work with like just just how much implication mm. that could have mm. um yeah and it was just so it was just so nice to kind of see her um in a very different space to where she had been when I was previously working with her mm. yeah and when I when we kind of spoke about this episode and the use of language I was thinking about it in relation to work but also in relation to like life because I think our work it's about life it's about people's mm. lives and our lives and how they kind of merge together and um just as you guys were speaking it made it it's making me think about how language changes over time and over generations and how that's influenced by current episodes or or context or or just a generation so in when we were talking earlier about um fighting and the term cage and Mm. um the reaction that that's had in you who's new to that thinking about the origin of such a word and what was it what was it connected to with regards to being a bit primal or Mm. where animals are kept Mm. but then as time evolves and ultimate fighting has changed into a sport the notion or the language of the use of cage is something that's come so easily to me as a sports fan um so i was thinking about that with all sorts of language and when we speak to um when we speak about families even when you think about the way social work has developed and has moved over time when uh families may have been uh, spoken about in a certain way mm. say 30 40 years ago um compared to now which is slightly well slightly different in the way that we understand people and the challenges that they may face yeah I I was wondering whether you had any kind of words or terms or you know phrases or whatever that um that are used at work um to kind of talk about families whether they're ones that just grate on you Mm. I think one that um I find quite frustrating is anger management or Mm. they've got anger issues yeah and we hear that description quite a lot and um I just find it quite pathologizing of a particular person within a family system rather than thinking about what might be going on within the family and for that mm. person and particularly around young people and um, they've got anger issues they need mm. some anger management if they have some anger management sort of training then they'll be fine yeah rather than thinking what is this person communicating and and it's something that I know when I first started out in my career it was something that was used a lot and you sort of end up picking up on that like oh anger issues let's refer them to anger management you see that a lot and um, particularly in kind of with adolescents yeah in, in youth offending kind of service of like anger issues anger management but I think it's so labeling and pathologizing and actually missing out on what might be happening for that kind of um young person child or 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 adult really I mean Mm. we see it so often so that's one that um sort of grates on me in terms of how it's used that I find what about you two is there any well just following up from your 
um, use of anger, I feel that with all words, I kind of think about who who sets the rules, who made the rule about the threshold of when um, frustration turns into anger mm. or or passion turns into anger, and that threshold is determined by the person in in, in power. And just as you were speaking, it was making me think about a few teenagers that I've worked with who've been labelled as angry teenagers or needed needing anger management and um just thinking about these teenagers in in the context of of the current world and what it means to be a teenager the challenges that comes with it the pressures and for a lot of them what an older generation may consider anger is this teenager's normal way of expressing themselves because of everything that's going on around them mm. so um with language in, in in general, it makes me think about who sets the rules and who sets the thresholds for understanding when one thing turns into to another. Mm. Um, a phrase that I think can be kind of like misused mm. at times is, um, I actually heard someone say this sentence this week, said, oh, she's got a little bit of mental health. Like, a little bit of mental health yeah what what does that mean yeah like, yeah. yeah a little bit of mental health and and it just you know that kind of term just just really just takes away from the individual experience yes. and the yeah. individual's kind of uh, like manifestations of their in inverted commas mental health i'm really much more interested in what what is happening what is going mm. on what does it look like how does it mm. um impact on their day-to-day living um everyone's got a little bit of mental health it's just a ridiculous ridiculous but i think that goes for other other kind of um issues that we might see in terms of whether it's kind of substance misuse or mental health we just say substance misuse issues what does that mean did that mean that they smoked cannabis when they were 13 or does it mean that you know someone's had a heroin problem for 13 years so um but again you see those those kind of labels and that language used which will carry different connotations for everybody reading it Mm. and but it's often lacking kind of detail or explanation yes Uh, and i think i said this before um it just makes me think about the importance of people understanding what's come before and um in connection with uh, the idea of a maths equation showing you're working out so when somebody says oh they have a little bit of mental health or they have mental health issues or they have substance misuse issues what's the working out what's that individual's set of equations that led to this point where they have mental health issues or they have substance misuse issues mm-hmm. which will be different for every single individual so it's that curiosity that um a, a person should have in understanding what it means to 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 someone else so uh, language a word can mean a, a word can be have a certain meaning that's in the dictionary but in different contexts and with different individuals it will look quite different Mm. and I think we are getting better as a society at talking more about mental health issues Um, Mm -hmm. and I think that having more conversations and it Mm -hmm. coming to the forefront a bit more kind of helps you to develop your language and develop your yeah how how you think about or how you talk about certain issues and so I, I do think that um the fact that we're having more conversations about it is a helpful thing um, just in terms of um, how how it is in wider society. So I do think we're getting better at it. 
And as you said, I suppose it is about having those conversations. If we think of like meaning being constructed in conversation, again, mm. often with families, it'll be kind of how do you describe your mental health um, so that yes. we can get, uh, you know, a picture that is kind of representative of how an individual mm. might feel. And, and also how um, meaning is, is, is constructed amongst us as professionals. When I think about social work offices and when I first started off with colleagues and I fell into the this trap as well, because you're reading years of information on the system that people have have kind of been um, repeating and using the same words. So a word or a term that um, I find that people use a lot that does frustrate me is somebody is difficult to engage yeah. or someone is non-engaging. Yeah. And I think about what does that mean? To engage takes two people. So yeah. people need to those two people at least two people need to be doing something and whether it's working or it's not working it's about what's happening in that um relationship mm. and um when people say someone's not engaging it makes me think about what is it about you as an individual what is it about um what we represent as an organization what is it about the way that power sits in this relationship that makes this person not want to talk to you or what can you do differently to change what's happening? Yeah. But I, f I found that, especially a lot in my early career days, people were labelled as non-engaging before I even started to work with them. So in a sense, that informed consciously or subconsciously my approach. Yeah, and similar words, I think, in terms of uh, resistant yeah. or avoidant, yeah. And again, you know, not thinking about the kind of relational aspect and thinking about what can we do differently. And um, again, thinking reflexively, what is it that we're doing or not doing um, in, in, in terms of trying to work with um, kind of children, individuals or families? And again, I guess you could reverse it and say, you know, being resistant, however you want to interpret that, is a kind of ordinary response to yeah. being in a difficult situation and having perhaps you know from our backgrounds in terms of safeguard and child protection having kind of state intervention in your life yeah definitely I think it's sometimes it's important to think about it kind of reframing it um in a way that's not oh they're being resistant but maybe they're being protective of themselves yes. or yeah. maybe they're um yeah I can't think of another reframe, but but that is, you know, trying to think about it in a different way then means that it influences your kind of narrative and your story that you have about that family to just, yeah, think about different options. Yeah, and I like I often um, try and put myself in, in their shoes and think about when I knock on the door to a family and they open their door and let me in, for me, that's them being super engaging and not being resistant at all because I will never let anyone into my house, not even family. <laughs> no, I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> I will, I will. Sorry, family. Um, but I do imagine if I was in that position, how I would react and to for someone to pick up the phone, for a person I'm working with to pick up the phone to me and have a conversation about what will be difficult times in their life challenging conversations in their life that's so great and that's mm. I feel privileged that somebody would would do that with me although I would recognize in my position as a social worker I have a power a level of power that influences the way that they um choose to interact with me so when someone chooses not to or someone is is 
behaving in a way where they do not want me to kind of be involved I have an understanding of that and when you think about what else could it mean and talk talk about reframing I think sometimes about um their own someone's own personal experiences of working with professionals and um narratives that were created in their family of origin when they were a child because when I was growing up my mum basically brought us up to not trust anybody and be it be wary of everyone so um, I'm not like that now but um growing up that that was my go-to like so if that's how I've been brought up and if I were to have social services involved with me then why am I engaging with a social worker mm. because that's I've been influenced by my upbringing, upbringing yeah <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> <laughs> upbringing uh absolutely and I think it's it, it, it's also how for me it's about being a recipient of how we language people so thinking about how you might articulate that in person in a report and and reading that because it's about thinking again like if you've read something about you or or we've probably all been described in a particular way that maybe we don't think um represents us or certainly represents the whole of us and actually how kind of labeling um particularly if it's more kind of negative or derogatory language um how how negative it can be and and almost how you you might feel you sort of need to fulfill that particular label that's been put on you. Mm. Cause I know you'd, um, you've told me this story only a couple of hundred times. Um, <laughs> only what about, happened? Only about, hundred times. about you, you used to be shy. Yeah. And, Surprise. but I think shyness is, is again, it's, it's a sort of label that we often, you know, give to children quite young, mm. don't we? Oh, you know, Eugene's shy. And, and I think, as I've said before, it's often in the context when you're like trying to get a small child to go and kiss all the aunties and uncles and extended family that they don't know. I think it's probably yeah. quite appropriate that they're a little bit shy. Yeah. But often that has negative connotations and how limiting it might feel. I mean, obviously you've broken free and you're now like no, a so cage shy. fighter. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I do think, you know, it's, it's, that's an example of a label actually and how, it, you know, you can sort of feel this sort of quite negative narrative around you perhaps. Yeah, it, it reminds me of a um, uh, some kind of, uh, what am I trying to say? Theory. She's doing charades here. Two words, first word. Reminds me of a theory. Some, <laughs> yeah, some theory and reading that I've done about like talking yourself into a certain context. So like if, you know, if that word shy is thrown at you, you then yes. kind of talk yourself into, maybe not, you know, consciously, but you kind of act into um, that that context and that then becomes your your social world do you yeah. Know what I mean? yeah so yeah it you know the the just the i'm all, i always marvel at just like the power that words and language have yes and yeah. not just the impact of what it's said in that moment but the afterlife of it yeah and, and and how we how as social workers it's very powerful in terms of how you might create a narrative around a family and how that narrative then they might like live into that narrative as well Absolutely. and I think some of the um work that we sometimes do from a narrative approach which is by um, Michael White and David Epstein is around we say sort of externalizing the problem and I suppose that mm. that would be an example that you could be used 
perhaps if there, there is someone who's described as anger or or angry um kind of thinking about separate trying to separate yeah. the person from that um because you know we probably all had experiences of someone um being labeled in a particular way and, yeah. and feeling that that is who they are they are an angry person and what does that mean um so that's something i know like i've used with families of trying to sort of mm. separate out the person and how liberating it can be yeah, yeah. and i think uh, when i think back to my experience of shyness or being shy what you guys are saying is is completely right i think what you said nadia around uh almost thinking and talking yourself into a certain context and doing that or being affected by that because of the people around you and how they respond to your shyness um kind of causes it to be elong that period to be elongated and as well as externalizing also looking at positive aspects of the behavior and reframing that behavior and positively connoting that behavior because I wonder if somebody was able to help me understand my shyness as um, thoughtfulness or mm. reflectiveness mm. Or, or an observer mm. um, then whether my shyness would have been prolonged into my mid-twenties and I think when when I look back at or just now reflecting on my life I think I did that um, subconsciously and uh, looked at what I brought with my quiet self and then just turned it into really loud so-and-so <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I turned my mic down right now <laughs> so I guess thinking about language and the importance of being mindful of our language what um again either sort of messages or ideas would you have either for like social workers who are listening or non-social workers about the importance of thinking about our language i would say that um words have multiple meanings and they have multiple meanings as a standalone word so if i wrote a word down on paper i think it will have many different meanings to many different people but also how i say something will have a different meaning so um if i say i love you <gasps> Eugene, oh. <laughs> uh, or if I say oh I love you man or if I'm like oh, I'm deeply in love with you I'm using the same kind of word but they mean that you tried smooth, to get Barry that was White on our CD that was like smooth let's groove in the afternoon if I say I love you I love you man I love you that's not Barry White is that Barry White you, just, just carry on with your anyway <laughs> so I don't know why I jumped there I'm looking for and right in her eyes as I say this <laughs> sorry friend um, I'll look away now um, but it's an example of of words having um multiple meanings so um and language having multiple meanings so i think my kind of advice to people will again to be curious about um the impact of what you say and the context in which you say it and how that lands with somebody else yeah and following on from that i think like i mentioned before the the recognition or just holding in mind that your words have an afterlife like the it, definitely you you can say something and then in the moment you know you kind of hear it all the time people say oh but I didn't mean that you know that wasn't you know that wasn't my intention or whatever and that's fine but actually it's done something to that person and there is an afterlife Mm. to it and yeah I think I think that yeah just I just I'm I'm, I always try I think to to think about what I say before I say it because I, I know that words are powerful and 
um, yeah, if I'm in a certain position saying something to somebody else, then, you know, are they going to go away, reflect on that, ruminate on that, take it on board and, you know, really. And I would I would like to think that if I did hurt somebody, they'd be able to come and say to me, oh, you know what, Nads, like, I didn't like how you said that. But the truth is a lot of people don't and a mm. lot of people don't feel able to do that sometimes. So you should... I feel like I have a responsibility to be responsible with my words and, and mm-hmm. how I say things. Absolutely. And I suppose that afterlife linking when we work with families is how that those stories continue, whether it's kind of through a chronology or how the family are understood and interpreted. So I think that's always important for me um, oh, yeah, in a work context, yeah, thinking true. about how um, kind of, yeah, that meaning is made. Um, so that I think that's really important for me. Yeah. And um just as you were talking about families and uh, children that we work with sometimes I think we as social workers can get into the trap of because of the pressures of the job and because of the requirements bureaucratic uh, the bureaucratic requirements and writing case notes doing reports and the speed at which we do all of this and the words we put down on paper we we are considering it in the here and now and when you were both speaking about the afterlife I'm thinking about the way those words carry so not only when you go for example and share a report with a parent but after that work is done the case is closed down but in that five-year-old grows up to be an 18 19 year old Mm. comes back and look at their files and all of those words have a certain level of meaning but it's almost going to be amplified because the child has lived that life yeah. so I think that's another thing to be really aware of and I think it's almost like when you write something down it becomes even more powerful or it has more yes. kind of meaning and I always try and always I do my best to en- encourage my students to really think about the words that they're putting down and um, not only because like you mentioned a parent might read the report so for them to think about how it reads when you're reading something about Yes, you're something else that somebody has written about you how that must be for a family um so yeah not to be like too yeah I'm just I'm I'm putting this down because this is my view and this is the facts or whatever but actually some the person you're writing this about is going to read it how how might that be for them thinking about the audience absolutely definitely and I suppose it, it can also link to like I said as I said earlier about how we become to understand and narrate and define a family and if families are spoken of negatively um like avoidant and resistant it's almost like you you create expectations around that Mm -hmm. and then um you know can become quite biased and prejudicial so it's really important again for us to kind of interrogate um with ourselves or whether with colleagues about how families are becoming narrated just to remain anti-oppressive as well isn't it Mm. and then thinking about this we spoke about this in the context of our our work and profession, but taking it out of that and looking at it in real life, in inverted commas, thinking about how um, language is used to, to label um, uh, groups of people or label individuals. Um, and I was just thinking about the term hoodie. That's, it's a recent phenomenon. Um, and I'm sure they were making hooded jumpers or hooded sweatshirts way back in the day. Mm. But then the term hoodie has been created because of of it being linked in with, um, from my experience, in London, urban areas, certain groups of pe- people and um, the impact that um, 
language has has on that and I've done this in previous episodes um talk about EastEnders and I will talk about <laughs> EastEnders again. <laughs> I remember there was one episode where Grant Mitchell came back to the square, Albert Square, after being away in in Spain for like ten years. Okay. And then he saw somebody, a kid wearing a hood and um he was like, What's that? And somebody said, A hoodie and it was almost like for him, that's the first time he's hearing the word, but the way it was said, the context in which it was said it in and um, uh, how it was assigned to a, a young teenager who was, through their eyes, misbehaving to an extent, it kind of set the tone for him as a person. Mm. Um, so I know it's EastEnders, but it's just an example of um, how words carry meaning. You always yeah. want to get the EastEnders word Right. Thanks for that, you. EastEnders. Reference there. Grant Mitchell disappearing to Spain for 10 years. That doesn't make, make me want to watch it anymore. No, no, it doesn't. Um, but yeah, hopefully some kind of food for thought about yeah. um, how we think about and use language. Yeah. And as always, um, contact us on uh, social media, on Twitter and Instagram at Social Matters. Um, get involved in the conversation. Is it at Social Matters. Was at Matters at- Podcast. Oh my God, I did it wrong. Yeah, at, at Matters, Matters Podcast, Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Get involved in the conversations, continue these conversations with each other. Um, let us know your feedback, anything you like, dislike, any thoughts you have. Extenders had. chat. Yeah. yeah. Um, yes, and uh, hopefully you will tune in again for future episodes. Yeah, I'm not sure if you just said this, you sh- sorry, um, but uh, also make suggestions for topics for us to discuss. Yes, that's good. I didn't yeah, say that. Uh, yeah, because, you know, we'd really like to, um, yeah, take some of your uh, ideas on board and yeah, use it as an opportunity to talk about things. So please do Definitely. make suggestions. For sure. Brill. Bye-bye. All right. Okay, take see care. See you next time.